This is Real Ghost Stories Online. The phone number is 855-853-4802. Our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, to share your real ghost stories. Tony and Jenny Bruski, joining you once again. Good evening. For another episode of the program. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are uh, a fan of the show, you've been listening for quite some time, we ask maybe you consider help supporting the show and becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Those folks get an extra podcast sent directly to them every single week. Equals about 52 extra exclusive episodes that our EPPs get every single year because they're helping support the show. It's five bucks a month, and you get the free episodes and the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping this show Alive. So check down on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. On tonight's show, we hear of an ailing mother that communicates with her daughter through dreams and about the ghost of an obese elderly man who haunts several tenants of a rental. We'll also discuss the story of a phantom earthquake that may have been much more and a story of meditation that goes awry. And finally, we'll share the story of a group of college kids that may have been warned of danger by a victim of a past tragedy. That and your calls all tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. I want to start off the show tonight uh, with a little bit of a follow-up. The other night we we shared the story of someone who had talked about uh, a, a haunted adventure they went on with this group called American Ghost Adventures. Remember me talking about that? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they, uh, this is the first I'd ever heard of the group, but I guess it's like a professional group. They take people out into haunted locations and let them be essentially ghost hunters for a night, if you will. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, our, our caller wrote in a letter the other day talking about their experience, and I'm just going to read a, uh, a brief uh, uh, snippet of that letter because she sent us the video that she talks about in that letter. So I just want to refresh everyone on what that letter said, and then I'll talk about that video here for a second. It started out, uh, this is from uh, Allie. For about nine months, I worked at a company in Central Florida called American Ghost Adventures. Being a psychic and a sensitive myself, I was very excited to find this group, was hiring uh, to add someone to their team. As a paranormal investigator, the team collects evidence of paranormal phenomena in addition to hosting ghost tours around the city. It's very excited to take a short and scientific approach uh, to experiences I have uh, con- uh, contracted throughout my entire life and to validate something that I already initially felt exists. As a guide for the company, I would host nightly ghost tours for guests all over the world. During the tour, our guests got to experience a ghost hunt for themselves, usually a first-hand experience for the majority of those in the tour. And she goes on to talk about uh, some of the uh, tours. And uh, then she says this is in part of her letter as part of the story that, uh, that she shares of the haunting. She said, soon, in addition to the sound of children following us, we made contact with another spirit on this adventure, a young man. He appeared in my mind's eye to be of early 20s age, strapping strong, and he affiliated somehow with the old military. He also appeared to have a high interest in me. Romantic. Uh, not once... But twice, I felt something poke me in the back. Finally, I said, something's poking me. I'm going to set my flashlight down here. And then a chair, right here on the chair. Uh, And just as she said that, she set her flashlight down to the chair. And then it flew off the chair. 
It didn't just roll off. It flew off. It didn't just roll off. It flew off. And she sent us a video of of this experience. And this full letter can be heard in a previous episode. I want to say probably two, three, four nights back. Sir Edward, would you like to fill us in on what episode that originally was broadcast on? Because I don't know. I know it was recent. Yeah. Um, but uh, the full letter is there. But she did send us in the video. It's in black and white. It has no sound. But I'm posting it uh, on this story's uh, entry on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you're a subscriber on YouTube, you'll also uh, it'll show up in the uh, the subscriber feed as well. It's going to be published the same time we publish uh, today's episode, just as an extra little piece, so you can see uh, that paranormal activity right there on camera. It's a creepy little video. It is. It's it's really creepy. So check it out for yourself. Uh, some video uh, footage there sent in to us uh, by Allie, and that was uh, courtesy of those American Ghost Adventure folks who take video of your creepy adventure when you're on it. That'd be interesting. Would you go on a ghost adventure like that? Only if you were with me. I don't think I'd want to. Honestly, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Honestly, I, I it goes back to I don't really want to be the one that's, you know taking these people out or the ghosts or whatever. I'm all about going on a ghost walk like we did. Yeah. But when you're starting to, you know, try and call them out and bring them out to me, that's kind of like you're inviting stuff like poking an animal in a cage with mm-hmm. a stick. I, I'm just afraid that everything's going to go fine for all these ghost adventures and then I'll go on it and then something will follow me home. That's, that's what I'm afraid of. Okay, yeah. that's what I don't want to happen. I'm not really afraid of what's going to happen on the thing. Like, I don't think anybody's going to get hurt on the you know sure. ghost adventure. I don't think you know. I'm not afraid of being scared. I'm cool with that. I mean, and if it was just that, I'm fine with it. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of exactly what you just said. Okay. And that's why I'm just like, I don't know. But uh, it's interesting that those services exist nonetheless, because that's the first I heard of it. There's probably a lot of them out there. It's a neat uh, idea. And it's going to probably just keep growing and growing yeah. and growing, as, especially as more and more large abandoned buildings, you know, like hospitals and stuff come to light. They're like, well, what are we going to do with this? You're going to get people are going to be like, well, we'll take it over and we'll do tours. There you go. You know? Yeah. So it's I guess it's a way to reconstitute buildings for something so uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call in here to real ghost stories online let's go to a quick caller hi hey tony and jimmy it's laney i've written in before about my old house and my basement and you guys think that um i might be haunted well i guess i'm gonna add another thing to the list perhaps um i'm 17 now this happened um, about 2011, so when I was like 14, 15, and I still had both of my great-grandparents still alive at the time, and my great-grandma was really sick, and she was like 80, 83, I think, and we all knew she wasn't going to live much longer, um, and in January, January 27th, um, I had a dream and it was like my whole family and we were having a party for my great-grandmother and the number 28 showed up everywhere in my dream and I didn't really understand it and then January 28th came around and I was just really nervous all day because I didn't understand why the number 28 kept coming up and I was kind of paranoid about that all day and so the, the day is coming to an end and I'm just really excited that nothing happened 
And at 8 o'clock p.m., I, my family got a phone call that my great-grandmother had passed away at 7.28 p.m. And I told my mom that, and she could not believe that I had that dream. I didn't tell her about it because I was just so worried. Um, so, yeah, that's my story. Thanks for listening. Numerology is an interesting topic. Yeah. I don't is. know a whole lot about it. Um, I cannot talk educated on the, the subject, but it was always one of those topics that I'd always be very interested in when they would pop up like on the old Art Bell show when I'd be falling asleep at night listening to that. Um, and it, it's one of those things that can kind of also, I think, sometimes drive you crazy because you can look into it so much and everything can have meaning. And some folks believe that everything has meaning when it comes to numbers. Um, you know, which can also lead to being, you know, feeling fairly crazy when you're evaluating every piece of, you know, data and number that comes into your life as having some sort of a underhanded meaning, if you will. But have you ever had anything like that where... I've always tried to take the numbers on the back of the fortune from the fortune cookie and somehow figure out something... Apply them? Applied to them. Yeah. Or they applied to something. Sure. So outside of that, not so much. I, I noticed uh, I was looking at the clock at nine eleven a lot more frequently after nine eleven, but I think it was just those numbers stood out more to you than ever before. You know, that was one of those things. Yeah. So... Um, let's go and uh, get into one of our letters here this evening. Uh, and of course, if you have a real ghost story, you can write into us through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or you can call in at 855-853-4802. Kim writes in, hi there, you guys. I love, love, love your show. That's it? Only three loves? Only three this time, but we'll make it four Maybe next time. Maybe four? I mean, I'm kidding. I was going to call in, but uh, as I live in Australia and have a tendency to uh, prattle on a little, I thought it would be uh, best to write instead. Not sure if you will ever use this, but you're welcome to if you wish. So I have a few stories. The first of which I have never thought of as an actual ghost story, but it was definitely something very real that happened to me some time ago. My mother was in the last stages of cancer and were nursing her uh, at her and my father's home. All four children would take in turns, staying over to give my dad a good night's rest. And the nights were long and often the worst times for my mother. I was around 30 at the time. My mother had finally gone off to sleep in the lounge in the special hospital-type bed we had for her. She always had to have curtains open as she used to be up before sunrise, before she had been ill. I still loved to watch it come up. I think the darkness scared her. I had a bad cough at the time, but had finally fallen asleep. I was always listening for the sound of a little bell we gave for her to call us with. She had lost her voice due to cancer. always thought of the next two instances as dreams, but they felt so very real to me. Now, I think it was really my mother the first time I woke in my bed to the spare room. Uh, to my mother standing in the doorway in her familiar and favorite dressing gown, I said to her, how did you get out of bed? You can't walk. She said, I heard you coughing and you woke me up. I again said, Mom, how did you get up? This is impossible. She said to me, I've decided I'm sick of this cancer. I'm not giving up. I'm going to fight it. Or words to that effect. The second dream, or whatever it was I had, was where I woke up. It was daylight outside. My mother was in her same dressing gown and pulling the curtains in the lounge room open. Again, I was stunned and said to her, How did you get up, Mom? Again, she answered me and told me that she was sick of being sick and had decided it was time to get up and out of that bed. 
I can still see her clear as day standing there while her bed uh, while her bed in that lounge was alongside her. The next few stories happened at a very old house that I and my four children had moved into not long after my first husband and I had separated. It was a very unhappy time in our lives, and it was a very old place. It had been split into flats. We were on the ground floor with one flat above and one very small flat to the side of us. Everyone there was in a very bad way at the time they had stayed there. My son and I would often be awoken by loud footsteps walking upstairs long after my neighbor had gone to bed. She was deaf, so she never heard a thing when we mentioned it to her. We would hear furniture being moved from one end of the house to the other. It would wake us out of a dead sleep, always at around the 2 to 3 a.m. mark. It became much worse after my neighbor moved out, and the place became vacant. We called the police several times just in case there were squatters living in the vacant flat, but each time they found nothing at all. They said that the manhole in the roof was far too high up for anyone to hide in, without a ladder or chair to help them. And each time they would check, the only chair in the house would be a long ways away from it. We would have things go missing constantly. Things that I knew I had put in a certain place, like my son's school tie, would turn up all the way on the other side of the house. I knew these things could not have been stolen as they were only valuable to us. My youngest, who was around five or six at the time, would often tell me he could see white people outside near uh, the old laundry at the back of my house. He would tell me they would float in and out and just go away. He casually pointed to one one day as I was upstairs at my friend's back window and said, There's one now. We both got the chills as we could see nothing but the doorway to the laundry. My eldest son would often want to sleep in my room but never really wanted to tell me why other than he couldn't sleep. He now tells me that he'd be awoken to a dark entity standing in his doorway blocking out the light. He said it would be very tall. We had 12-foot ceilings, and to block out all light behind either side of it would be very difficult. He said he would often awaken, and it would be at the foot of his bed or beside him. All of us had the worst time of our lives while we were there, including my neighbors. It was if some dark force or presence hung over you the minute you walked inside and left you as you left. I later found out the house was from around 1920 and that many people had come and gone from it. I'm sure it saw some from tragedy as anyone who lived there that we had met since our since or while we lived there shared similar experiences. One friend of my son said he and his mother and younger brother had lived there for a time but moved out as they were being haunted by the presence of an elderly obese man who would sit on the edge of his little brother's bed and wake him up at night. Both my son and I feel that the dark force that he saw fed off our sadness at the time, and that's why it appeared so often. He also believes the white people, my young son mentioned, only stayed outside as perhaps they were protecting the house. I don't really know, but all I know is everyone's life improved after we left that place. Thanks again for your show, and keep up the good work. In the first part of the story, when she talks about her mom Mm -hmm. coming to her in dreams... I I love how she's like, I'm sick of this cancer. I'm just going to fight it. And I wonder when I heard that, if that went along with the mother's personality, if that was something that she would have typically kind of had that attitude towards it. Now, was she having the dreams after her mother had passed or while her mother was suffering with it? No, while her mother was suffering. But her mother couldn't communicate because she couldn't speak. So it was almost as if 
she was taking it as the mother was almost telepathically kind of communicating. Through dreams. Through dreams. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, very interesting. I don't think we've quite had a story quite like that where the communication between the loved one that's still alive no. happened during dreams. No, we've had it where like the loved one was appearing in other parts of the house. Right. As a doppelganger or a, uh, what uh, are the other? Astro projection. Astro projection or things of that nature. Um, even uh, one where it was, seemed like it was some sort of demonic entity trying to mimic the other person to uh, fool the others. But never quite like that. No, I think it's very interesting. See, I, I think there's a lot more paranormal that goes on in our dreams. But because our dreams are so crazy anyway, it just mm-hmm. kind of gets all pushed under the, the rug. It's hard. It's hard to then decipher. I mean, it, it kind of almost goes along the line of... Um, we were talking about this the other night with someone who is mentally ill, um, you know, someone who does have hallucinations on a regular basis. You have to wonder, uh, is there paranormal things going on with them as well? But nobody knows because there's the mixture there going on of actual, uh, you know, serious mental illness and other things that are screwing with that person, but it's all being written off as mental illness. Exactly. I, yeah, you couldn't even begin to tell. No, there's no way of knowing. Yeah. Good story, though. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. 855-853-4802. Morgan writes in, Hi, I have no story of such for you to read, but I was wondering if you could explore the possibility of ghosts haunting different locations, objects at the same time. I've been wondering this since one of your last shows where you mentioned ghosts being regularly around beds and then go on to mention the energy from a person being attached to an object such as a wine cabinet, doll, or bed. My question for you is, if a person has a particularly close uh, or is particularly close to more than one object, could the energy left behind by that person linger and stay with both objects simultaneously, even if the objects are a good distance away from each other? For instance, if a person sent a majority of their life in two different houses or countries. Anyway, thanks for the read. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm a keen listener, and I, too, think uh, the addition of your wife daily, which is awesome, by the way, uh, was an awesome move. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm i wondering if she means two places or two things at the same time. Does she mean at the exact same moment or like... You could be a ghost that goes to your summer house and then your winter house, you know? I I could see that. Have your summer Divic box and your winter Divic <laughs> box? Yeah. Um, I think, I, I take it she meant like at the same time simultaneously, like you're hunting one house over here and one over there at the same time. I think people, this is my opinion. You know? okay. And again, it's all relative. This means no more than your opinion or Jack the Golden Retriever's opinion down the road. Um I would say a human entity can't do it. Uh, you, at least a conscious human entity, can't be two places at once. I think you're at your place, you're haunting it, if you're conscious. Um, I, I, however, think there is that case where there's like the energy and it's a repetitive thing that's not a conscious entity and is maybe left over a remnant from a human but it's not that human anymore. It's just the energy somehow that's replaying itself because whatever got trapped in some sort of field or something. Um, that, in that case, I think could replay itself over and over with an object and could be in two places at once and, you know, essentially could have been from that person. You know? Okay. Makes sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, yep. it does. There's just so many different caveats to that. Sure. Demons, I think, can probably go almost anywhere, depending on the level of the demon that you are. Yeah, I'm sure they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. Um, But no, like your traditional apparition type ghost of a person... I agree. I think it's one one place at a time. Your original recipe demon. There you go. Not your extra crispy demon. No, the extra crispy are the demon demon. Okay. <laughs> Those are, yeah, the the original re- original recipe ghost. That's okay. That should be ghost. Yeah. Extra crispy are the demons. There you go. What about the rotisserie? Those are poltergeist. Okay. Are we clear? <laughs> I think we got. What about the What about the chicken littles? The Chicken littles? Those are those Those littles. are orbs. Oh. Come on, you got to play this game right if you're going to start this. Chicken strips? Okay, chicken strips. What are chickens? Shadow people. <laughs> Let's see here. What else is on the menu? Let's Caleb? read. Let's read a story. Uh, Vanessa writes in, hello, my name's Vanessa. I'm from California. My mom always tells me this story that happened to her, her cousin and me. This was back in the late 80s. I was around five years old. We were in L.A. visiting family for a couple of weeks. This one day, my aunts, uncles, and grandparents went to the flea market, and it was just the three of us, mom, cousin, and I. I was on the floor playing with my cousin's makeup while my cousin was reading Bible passages to my mom on top of the bed. All of a sudden, I jumped on top of the bed, scared between my mom, uh, scared between my mom and my cousin. They asked, "What's the matter?" I didn't answer. After a few seconds, the windows and floor started shaking. The doorknob started to rattle. We thought it was an earthquake. After that stop, my mom grabbed me, and we all went outside and saw a neighbor and asked if he was okay. The neighbor answered, "Yes." Why? Well, because of that earthquake. Didn't you just feel it? The neighbor looked confused and said that there was no earthquake. But he was outside the whole time and didn't feel anything. Checked the news to see if it would report an earthquake, but nothing was reported. Later on that day, my mom told my grandma what had happened. My grandma, my grandparents speak only Spanish, said it was probably the El Pinche Diablo. Not wanting my cousin to read the Bible... My family has a history of paranormal things happening to him. I think I probably blocked that because uh, blocked that experience in my mind, scared of what I either heard or saw. Before the house started to shake, my mom's story hasn't changed over all these years, so I know it's true. I have so many more stories, just thought I'd start off with the small one. Grew up listening to ghost stories that happened to my grandparents back in Mexico and here in the States. One day, I'll record my relatives and their stories and make a book. Thank you for listening to my story. I think a regular earthquake would freak me out, let alone one that nobody else felt. And then for the grandmother uh. to just nonchalantly say, it's probably the devil. <laughs> Well, it's interesting, too, that they're reading you know passages from the Bible at the time, and then this happens, and... There's some sort of history there. There's some sort of conjuring activity going on. Think so. Yeah, I really do. Thank you for the story. That was that was a very good one. We do appreciate that. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories online. Hello. Hello, this is Chris calling from Utah. I just had two experiences that I thought I would share with everybody. Uh, The first happened when I was probably about 17. Um, I was with a friend and we were, I was with a group of friends and we were in one of their houses. Uh, If I remember right, we were the only ones in the house. Uh, 
and it got to the point everyone was watching the movie, fell asleep, and myself and my good friend were the only ones left awake. And as the the DVD menu screen kept playing over and over, we just sat and talked. And uh, there had been some drama, I guess, going on with another friend. So we had been talking about, you know, this drama. And the the friend whose house we were in, they constantly told us that, that it was haunted. And my friend and I, we we always thought, you know, they were just telling us stories, and we didn't really believe it. Um, but uh, like I said, everyone was asleep, and the two of us were were up talking. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, it was. You know, we'd, we'd been talking for probably a couple of hours at this point. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, from the next room over, we heard these loud scratching noises. And there was absolutely no explanation of what these noises came from. There were no pets in the house. Uh, like I said, everyone that was in the house was in the room that we were all in. Uh, so these just loud, like on very coarse wood scratching noises coming from from the room just next to us. And as I was thinking about sharing this story, I actually texted this friend of mine and I asked him, do you remember how many scratches we heard? And his response was three. And I said, that's what I thought. And I asked him if he'd heard about the whole connection with the number three being, I guess, demonic. I don't, I don't know what people say different things. And he said yes. And then he also mentioned he was pretty sure it happened around three o'clock in the morning. So I, I remembered it happening about that time also, but I didn't mention, I didn't, I specifically didn't say that on purpose. And I thought it was interesting that he came out and said that. Uh, as we heard, after we heard these scratches, so we're these 17, 18-year-old boys were sitting on a couch. Our legs came up onto the couch and we hid under blankets and it was probably the most pathetic sight you've ever seen. But we sat there until probably five or six in the morning. We couldn't move. I couldn't move. He actually got out and, uh, and looked around a little bit. But the interesting thing was that right after the the scratches happened, so we, we uh, you know we're scared to death, and he says it sounded like it came from inside of those chests in the in the living room, and they had these these large wooden chests that I don't know if they they uh, had blankets in them or something like that. But I just remember telling him to shut up after he said that he thought. It sounded like it came from inside those chests. I was like, I don't want to even think about that. Uh, that's that's my first experience. Uh, I've only ever had two experiences that I can remember, I guess. Uh, so, you know, not, not much has happened to me. But my second experience happened. Uh, I'm I'm from Utah, so safe uh, safe guess I am Mormon. And most Mormon young men go on a two-year church mission. Uh, At the age of 19, I went on a mission to the Canary Islands, which are just off the coast of Morocco. 
Um, and I was in, you, you go from city to city, you spend several months in each, in each area and you kind of shift around. <clears throat> I was in my second city, uh, and I'd been there for a few weeks and we, uh, we lived in an apartment that was built on top of a house and this house was actually in the middle of a, a big construction area. They're building a big, uh, complex of of what may have ended up being apartments i'm not totally sure but it was just all unfinished buildings uh, construction materials so it was kind of a creepy area so as we would go to our apartment we actually had to go through these big gates uh, walk through this kind of creepy area and then go into the house walk upstairs and there was this apartment built on top of the roof um one night uh I'm not sure what time, the middle of the night, uh, as, uh, in, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I could hear dogs. I could hear what sounded like probably five or six dogs. And there, there was, the owners of the house did have a dog. So it wasn't unusual to hear that dog, but not usually at night, maybe during the day. So, I heard this group of what sounded like five or six dogs and I, I got up out of my bed and I walked around the apartment, looked out the windows. I was just curious, you know, or did some dogs sneak into this, uh, this, uh, construction area. I couldn't see anything, kind of looked over the edge of the, the house. They had kind of a, like a balcony that we could look over. Didn't see anything. Walked back into my room and I, uh, I laid down, and soon after I laid down, I basically felt as if someone was pushing on my face and chest into my bed. I remember feeling like the pillow and the blankets kind of kind of rising up around the side of my head as, as if I was being pushed further into the, the mattress. Uh, I didn't see anything, uh, you know. People, I've, I've heard stories of, uh, you know, the sleep paralysis and people saying they thought they saw something, but I just felt this pressure and had a hard time breathing. I, uh, it was as if someone had, uh, as, it, as they were pushing my face and chest, it's almost as if they had covered my mouth also. Uh, and so I, I, I was having a really hard time breathing and I remember choking out loud and kind of coughing. And, uh, you know, just, just not knowing what to do. And then all of a sudden my vision, the, the room just started to go black. My vision just started to fade. And as, as that happened, you know, everything went totally black. I'm choking, feel like I'm being pushed into my bed. Um, and I didn't know what to do, but the only thing I could think to do was just to say a prayer in my head. So. I did that, and as soon as I had finished, I just remember everything released, and I was out. I was, I was, um, I don't want to say unconscious, but basically passed out is what I felt like. Uh, I woke up the next morning, and as uh, as a missionary, you have a companion that you're with all the time. So uh, another guy that's close to the same age, been called to the same area, uh, and I asked my companion, I said did you hear any dogs at all last night? He says, no, no, nothing unusual. 
I said, did you hear me choking at all last night? Uh, nope, didn't hear anything. So it was just the strangest thing that he didn't hear any of this, and I had had this crazy, terrifying experience. And it, it's it's interesting because, you know, after something like that, you would you'd think that, you know, I would be scared to go to sleep the next night or, you know, worry about what was going on in the apartment. I really didn't. It was just kind of a one-time thing. I don't feel that it was sleep paralysis necessarily. It's never happened before, and it never happened again. So I, uh, you know, I, I, until I came home and a few years later decided to kind of look into it, I had no idea that sleep paralysis was even a thing. But I've, I've never had any experiences like that since. It's kind of interesting. Um, as as a, a Mormon missionary, I didn't really expect to have things like that happen, but it's not necessarily uncommon uh, for things to happen. I don't know if it's maybe, uh, you know, uh, being attacked for doing some sort of good works. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to try and get churchy and, and religious, but uh, I have heard quite a few different stories of missionaries having you know, similar things happen or, you know, running into, I guess, what what they would call evil spirits. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, my brother was actually a, a missionary in Brazil, and uh, while they were walking down the streets one day, uh, they they noticed this guy across the street and just had this bad feeling about him, just looked like kind of a scary character, you know, you get that, uh, you know, that feeling, and this, this man looked straight at my brother and called him by his whole name, first name, middle name, last name, and missionaries do wear name tags, but the name tag only has your last name, uh, everyone, you go by uh, a title, elder, uh, so elder than your last name, but somehow this guy called him by his first and last name, and they just they just hurried out of there, I guess. Uh, but like I said, there I I have heard several situations of kind of kind of creepy stories from from uh, missionaries. So it would be kind of interesting to hear if any others call in. Uh, kind of interesting also to hear your take on on what has happened in, in these two stories. So uh, thanks for your time. Love the show. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in and thanks for sharing your stories. The creepiest part to me was the end with the brother story and the name being, full name being called up by the strange, creepy man across the street. Yeah, that's very unsettling. That man had some sort of powers that a human should not be having. Yeah. And uh, God only knows how he got those. What, what was your take on the rest of the... Well, you know, there's always that sleep paralysis debate, Mm -hmm. but being that he hasn't had anything like that happen before and it stopped as soon as he said a prayer to himself, I tend to think it was something other than sleep paralysis. Yeah. Um, And the fact that his friend didn't hear anything doesn't mean that it 
it didn't happen or that it was sleep paralysis because we hear about hauntings all the time where there'll be like two sisters in a room and something will happen to one of the sisters and the other one's completely out, doesn't mm-hmm. hear a thing. Yeah. Um, it's like they can control who hears what. Yeah. Um, the first part of the story, the, you know, hearing the scratching from inside the box, I want to know what was in that box. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor's cat. You think you know, so? No, I, I don't know. I mean, really, I mean, it was. it's hard to tell. I mean, was there something there? I mean, it, it would make you think that there's something paranormal going on um, or somebody that was playing one hell of a joke and they never found out about it. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I leaned more towards there was something unexplained going on there. I think so, too. Yeah. I think I'd just take that whole box yeah. right outside and just not even open it and just take it out. Was it a Divic box? I don't think so. It sounded more uh, like it was maybe like a trunk of some sort. Okay, Those old trunks are creepy. They are. I like them, but they're creepy. That's why you just have to go buy them at like, you know, the craft store and, <laughs> and not like actually get a used one at an antique store because you can get the same look and feel, you know, without having to worry about what was ever living in the box we or stored had, in the box. We had a very old creepy one and I think it had belonged. I'm pretty sure it had belonged to my great grandmother on my dad's side and my aunt wanted it and that's fine so we had it in our garage and they lived in a different state and they'd come to visit us several times and they never took it with them and this went on for 10 years we had their trunk in our garage for 10 years did they keep asking about getting it back but they just never took it it was like they'd mention it And I don't think they mentioned it or thought about it when they came to visit or they, for some, they either didn't have a car big enough to haul it home. I don't know. I think legally it's like nine or 10 years possession. If you have it in your possession that long, it's legally yours. I think it's not even that's just whoever has it in their possession. It's legally theirs. Well, but yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so that that was our creepy trunk we had forever. Did they ever take it back? Yeah, they. I okay. think they finally have it. Now, whether they still have it, I don't know, but it's not in my parents' garage anymore. Yeah, the interesting thing is her uh, aunt and uncle live uh, in this house uh, in a town called Amityville, and they have all these no. strange things that happen <laughs> that's shortly. Not true. Okay. Not true. Not <laughs> true. No. Uh, that's interesting, though. Um, here's a letter. Uh, Deanna writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is not a story. However, it is a question that has been prying on my mind uh, pertaining to many of the stories that you read on air. Many of them describe horrifying occurrences that happen while people are awakened from sleep in the middle of the night. So here's my confusion. How is it that afterwards people are able to immediately go back to sleep? I've noticed this happens in many of the stories you've read or played on the air. If this was me, the last thing I'd be able to do would roll over and go back to sleep after an intense scare or seeing a shadow figure in my room. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Love the show. Keep up the great work. I completely agree. We have those stories where they say, well, I was able to eventually fall back asleep. That is not going to happen for me. If something happens, it's going to be like a week before I finally pass out from exhaustion. Because I'm, I mean, we started watching The Conjuring downstairs for like 45 minutes. And I'm not even sure that I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. Hey, Tony, turn it off. Turn it off, Tony. Turn it off. And we were watching it on, on, on Voodoo, which is, that's the online. We conjured it up and it started playing on our screen. No, because it kind of sounds like when I say Voodoo. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of those services where it, it you know plays it like a Netflix. Um, 
we were getting ready to, to, to wrap things up and um, I just thought you wanted me to turn on another show. No, I so, just wanted the screen yeah. to be dead. <laughs> so what I have to do it to do that, though, is if you have closed your app, you actually have to open another movie playing app like Netflix or Hulu and then press play on it. Um, so it overrides what's currently playing. And that can take a couple seconds because you have to do that. You have to get it synced back to the thing. And <laughs> I wasn't going quick enough and you wanted it dead. Yeah. Yeah. So did it, was it that scary? Because we didn't even get really far into the movie. We don't have to. <laughs> Just the psychology. Yeah. That, was, that makes it a good movie. It's a good psychological. It is. And I don't know that I want to see the rest of it. No. no. We only got to like where the doors were banging. Was that care. about where we were? Yeah. Right? yeah. Like nothing else. Mom didn't become possessed yet. No. That all happens. It's great fun. No, and really, that's why I said, we'll just watch the first part because I know we're, you don't want to see the second part. No, I don't. But hey, listen to my interview with uh, uh, Andrea, uh, which is one of the girls from the movie uh, in one of the first episodes of our program about a hundred some episodes back. Uh, because the real story is much creepier than the movie itself. Um, it's just, it's messed up. But yeah. uh, anyway, let's go to another letter. Uh, Roy writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, good day from down under. Is this another Australia letter? It I is. think it is. It's like Australia Day. We even yelled last night from Australia too, didn't we? No, last night was Georgia Day. When was, when was I talking about the Australian beer? Okay, I that think was that was yesterday. We yeah. had one from Australia, but we yeah. had like three from Georgia yesterday. Georgia, and, well, it's all south. Way south. <laughs> no, because Australia and Georgia are really close. Sure. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, the logic of my fourth grade education. <laughs> I graduated high school, kind of. I did. I just didn't pay attention through all of high school. I'm a fan of your podcast from Australia. After listening to some of the amazing stories from your listeners, I feel like I need to contribute one of my own, too, before I moved to Australia. I was born and grew up in Indonesia for 14 years. Let me tell you, it's a very scary place to live in if you believe in paranormal activities. The country is very spiritual, and there are many people who still practice witchcraft and shamanism. The story happened back when I was about nine years old. Our family used to train in an Indonesian traditional martial art called, I'm going to say it incorrectly, I apologize to everyone, Penik Salat? I believe so. Okay, we'll go with that. It's a deeply spiritual, it's deeply spiritual and involves a lot of meditation exercises. One day, we had a trip out of town to a beach uh, called, again, I'm going to slaughter this, uh, Pranchitritis. I'll go with that. I think so. Sounds like a disease. It does. It's a very famous beach in Indonesia, and I'm not familiar with famous Indonesian beaches, I'm sorry. Due to its legend and many paranormal activities, legend has it that a spirit queen called Nai Loro... Kadul, Queen of the South, rules the Indian Ocean, and that beach is where she would normally show herself. At midnight, a group went to the beach for a meditation exercise. It was around 10 meters away from the waterline. Because of the nature of the exercise, the kids are not allowed to join in. What's going on? What kind of exercises are we talking about here? I think it's meditation. <laughs> Naked meditation. Okay. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, in, uh, so I and the other kids stayed a bit further away as the swingers can get it, uh, and played in the sand. The instructions of the exercise was clear. The adults were told to imagine walking into the ocean and gather the energy in the area. So they started meditating while I played around with my friend. 
But after around 10 minutes, I heard noises coming from where they were meditating. When I turned around, I saw my dad being dragged into the ocean. Luckily, one of the instructors saw it. He quickly grabbed my dad and woke him up. It was really odd because everybody there was in an Indian sitting position. While being dragged, my dad's arms were stretched as if someone or something was pulling him. So they stopped everything immediately and asked my dad what happened. He said when he was imag- uh, imagining of walking in the ocean, he saw a dark cave. But then he said he saw some green shawls shooting out from the cave. They grabbed his arms before trying to pull him into the cave. That was a moment when he almost got dragged into the ocean. I should tell you that the queen's favorite color is green. It's also a very sacred color there, and no one should ever wear green in the area to not anger the queen. She's famous for kidnapping people to join her underwater kingdom. Under the sea. (laughs) This is where we break into Disney. Thank you for reading my story. (laughs) And please keep up your excellent show. I didn't mean to make fun. I just, you know, I'm hearing underwater kingdom princess and immediately think of the little mermaid because I have two little girls. (laughs) Okay. Life is better under the sea. <laughs> what do you think? I think it's pretty. I creepy. think it's creepy as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, seeing your dad being okay. This is like a, this is a rare occurrence for this group that goes out there and meditates because it sounds like if they're out there doing this fairly often, that this would happen on a semi-regular basis if everybody's out there and this is a highly paranormally active place. Well, I think it's highly paranormally active, but I don't know that it is has affected this particular group. They're trying to murder the people at the group? Yeah. Yeah. That's disturbing. I think so. Makes me think twice about any meditation. Going for a meditation with the evil... Sea Queen. Well, let me ask. Green. Let me ask you this: If, and I'm not at all saying, you know, meditation's a bad thing. No. But what I am curious of is, if you meditate, does that open you up to other things, like in your mind? Uh, I think it just depends what you're doing. Okay, because I didn't know if that maybe made, like in this case, made him more vulnerable to something going in there and dragging him off. I I think what they, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, it sounds like they were practicing something very, very specific. I think just normal meditation that a lot of people practice where they're just, you know, it's just at peace, just silence and, you know, kind of zoning out, if you will, uh, for lack of a better term of it. That, not so dangerous at all, really. But uh, I think there, I mean, there are different types of everything and there's different types of meditation and I think a lot of them are probably just Super and fine, but I think it's more so what the intent is sometimes. I wish I could meditate. I wish I could too. My mind is, it moves too fast. My ADD won't allow it. No. I've tried it. Yeah. I get so incredibly bored and then I just start thinking about shit and I'm just like, is this supposed to be meditate? Like, what are you supposed to do here? Like, it- I literally, I just sit there and I'm like thinking about stuff and I'm trying not to think about, because then I'm trying to think about not thinking about stuff. It's like when you're trying to fall asleep and you know you need to fall asleep and all you can think about is not being able to fall asleep. Right. It's the same thing if you're trying to, like, think about how I'm not going to be able to meditate is how I would meditate. Well, to me, knowing that I have stuff that I need to get done, purposely sitting there doing nothing is like being put in time out for grown-ups. Yeah. 
I know. I wish I could get something out of it because a lot of people really do find a lot of peace there. Yeah. But I, I think the ADD and the anxiety and everything else, you know, it just doesn't. All my acronyms work against it. It doesn't work. Although I will say this, in I did take um, uh, a class in high school where um, that was one of the units was on meditation, and I don't know if I just fell asleep once or if I actually got into the state. Because we did it in this room that was like all padded. I think it was like the wrestling room or something. It's Tony's visit to the padded room. It was. It really. Okay. And then and uh, it smelled like god awful because all the sweat and everything in there. But that's where we had to. You know, we practiced. It was like there was yoga done in there and uh, qigong and all sorts of different Eastern things. And um, the meditation was kind of nice because it was like. I think we had like 20 minutes at the end and she was teaching us how to do it or whatnot. And for those so many times, I just sat there bored out of my mind trying to do it. And I just, I could not get into it. Um, but one time lights go out. I'm trying. I'm, I wasn't like making fun of it or anything. I was really, I wanted to try and figure this thing out. And then one time lights go out and they're, you know, they're doing it. And also the lights go back on. I'm like, okay, that's 20 minutes. I'm like what, what do you mean it was 20 minutes? Like, I thought I was just there. And I, I, I it was like there. It was like you fell asleep. So either I fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> while sitting in, in that position. But I don't think I did because sleep I'm usually pretty aware of and I can tell. This was almost just like time lapse gone. Yeah. It was weird. I bet you fell asleep. I probably did. If anyone has any tips on meditation. <laughs> We're probably doing it wrong. You know... I'm sure I it's, don't know. it's very good. If someone has any any tips for a ADD meditation, people, <laughs> people with anxiety and ADD meditation, meditation for dummies with ADD and uh, anxiety issues, yeah. that'd be good. That'd be good. David writes in, uh, I had first read H.P. Lovecraft when I was about eight years old. The Oh, this is that book. Yeah. Um, that was uh, the creation. It's essentially the, the opposite of the Bible. It's the, the satanic Bible is what it is. Um, and the power it has. It's a power you give it. Uh, I bought the book when I found it in high school and found it to be uh, overly uh, stylized nonsense. I still love reading H.P. Lovecraft today, but don't make a religion out of it. I love the show. Sent my personal ghost story, but H.P. Uh, Lovecraft didn't influence my situation. There is more evil in your mind than ever printed on a page. That's an interesting take on that. It is an interesting take. And I remember we had a a listener that wrote in and was telling us about his experience mm-hmm. with that and how it seemed to he he narrowed down everything changing in his life to when he acquired that or read that book. I think he was more sort of attributing it to like the the actual acquiring of the physical book, which was right. interesting. So that makes me wonder if it was because the book had been used a certain way sure. or if something had attached itself to that particular copy. Yeah. And, and really, I think it's all, it's like the Ouija board. It's uh, the, the board itself. It's, I mean, unless there's something attached to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's like a telephone. It, it is what it is. It's, there's not people in a telephone. There's not people in the board. They, they come through by its use. Yeah. You know, it's the same with owning a Bible. It's because you own a Bible doesn't make you a great spiritual person. In fact, I mean, there's plenty of horrible, bad things in the Bible too. You know, that you could, you know, stoning your children or something. You know, you could go back and forth either way. 
you know, and say this is good, this is bad. It's not the act of owning the books. It's it's what you're practicing out of them. The intent. Exactly. Yeah. It's the intent. It is. So there you go. David writes in, I have a few stories, but we'll start with this one. I was around 14 years old and had a friend over for the night. We were staying up, being rowdy, when we saw what we thought was my grandmother walking by my door. We stopped and went over to look, but no one was there. I went to see if my grandmother was in bed, and there she was, sound asleep. Needless to say, we calmed down after that. This was the house that my grandfather bought, and my whole family had lived there at one time or another. And everyone had seen either a woman or a man ghost at some point. My father has seen the man walk up from the garden and right into the back of the house, and he was not alone in seeing the same thing. My two uncles and three other friends saw this at the same time. I could go on, but I'll save others for later. These are full-body ghosts that can be seen by more than one person at a time. You know, that could be a helpful ghost if it causes your kids to calm down when they're being rowdy. It could be. Get the ones that, like, lead them to the bathroom to brush their teeth and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the tooth fairy ghost. Yeah. Really, mommy? It's a tooth fairy. See, there it is. That would be creepy. Your child talks, you know, you're like, because obviously, like, you know, there's no tooth fairy. But what if, you know, no, really, I saw her last night. She was in my room. We brushed our teeth together. <laughs> and then you find, like, these weird notes from the tooth fairy. <laughs> so I have a question. It seems like in this case and some of the other cases, it, there's more than one ghost in a residence. But those ghosts are usually... It seems like they're the same kind. Like these are, you know, the man and the woman are both full body apparitions. Mm-hmm. I just find that interesting that they kind of, they take on the same type of form close together. I know that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but, and you know. Maybe they're haunting together. Maybe. Maybe they had it in their wedding vows that they would haunt their family for the rest of their lives. I should have known four years ago that that was a sign of what we would be doing today. <laughs> no idea. No. I don't either. I wasn't doing the show back then. No, but, but uh, lo and behold. There you go. Amanda writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I listen to your show every day at work. In the last episode, or an episode a while back, uh, I heard you talking about how you have since been saying 9-11 on the clock. Hey, I mentioned that earlier today. Uh, since uh, the 9-11 attack. You're not alone. My great-grandmother died on 9-11, two hours before the first plane hit the Twin Towers. I was only 11, and it didn't really hit me. I was more concerned about my great-grandmother's death. Well, ever since that day, I have seen 9-11 twice a day, every day, one time in college. I was going to try and sleep in. I was dreaming, and all of a sudden, my great-grandmother came into my dream, got up in my face, and yelled, It's time to wake up! When I opened my eyes, the first thing I saw on the clock... I have more stories of my great-grandmother interfering. I don't like to say she's haunting since she's welcome. As well as her daughter and my great-aunt. I'll have to gather my thoughts and uh, write this in a real ghost story soon. Thanks for always uh, entertaining me and creeping me out. I think that's funny that you just mentioned that earlier and then we have a story about it. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Eh, things like that tend to happen on this show. (laughs) You know, I really... And I'm not trying to say it's not paranormal. I think the grandmother coming in the dreams, that's that's paranormal. But I think the, the phenomenon like you experienced with the 9-11 number and 
this person, I think really and truly it's because you are just, you, you associate that with something else now. Sure. You probably saw it just as much before yeah. as you do now. It's just now it stands out to you. Yeah. I compulsively check the clock just as much before 9-11 as I do after 9-11. It's just now 9-11 looks that much more standout-ish to me than it did in the past. Exactly. So that's all that is. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I don't, I don't attribute it to being anything paranormal in my situation. Yeah. I don't know about hers, but in mine, I don't think there's anything. It's ironic that she seems to have a knack for looking at it right then. It's interesting that the grandma woke her up. Yeah. (laughs) God, I could see some of my aunts coming and doing that after they die. Like, just haunting me. Just because they know I'm into that. Like, well, what should we do here? Hey, Tony likes ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could see My that. aunt and all will hide quarters around the house in different places because I like to find them. And yeah. It'll be kind of like a scavenger hunt in Easter every day. It'll be a lot of fun. It would be. We'll play holiday games and it'll be, it'll be great fun. <laughs> TJ writes in greetings, Tony and Jenny. First, uh, just a brief thank you for bringing us listeners an entertaining and informative podcast. I don't think I'm alone in saying that both of you do a wonderful job discussing and deconstructing antidotes of the paranormal and that your show deserves the number one rank that it's earned. Thank you so much for your efforts. As my story, a few years back on my summer vacation between sophomore and junior years of college, I was hanging out with some friends really late one evening at one of their parents' upscale suburban homes. Like many college students home for the holidays we were looking for something to distract us unfortunately the liquor cabinet had run dry the evening before so the five of us decided to go to an all-night diner in a shady part of town for a change of atmosphere i should explain that while we were in a state capital there was only really one all-night diner in town it had been erected in an old industrial section of the city across the street from a rubber factory which had been closed down for many years. But the diner itself was still quite popular. The factory across the way had fallen into a state of spooky, not to mention dangerous, disrepair. Many people in our neighborhood claimed to have conducted urban... Uh, uh, what is this? Spelunking? I think it's supposed to be like urban exploration, but it's a different term. Okay, I've never heard that one. Urban exploration is what I'm from. Anyway, into the dilapidated structure. And we vowed to have a little uh, expedition ourselves after going to the diner. After we finished eating, we walked over to the factory and saw that the entire structure was encircled with chain link fence and barbed wire. The only section, which looked like it might provide access... Ran along an old train track overpass, which had fallen out of use of the factory. Being the silly college kids we were, we decided to try to enter via the uh, Ingress, which was itself about a block and a half away from the restaurant parking lot. We approached not 20 feet before my best friend and I were heading up the group, noticed what looked like a young woman sitting on the train tracks near where we wanted to enter. There was something not quite natural about the way she was moving, so I voiced my apprehensions that we were not, that we should not proceed further. Everyone else saw her, and I and didn't argue. But as soon as we walked back to the diner parking lot, she was gone. Someone suggested we give our adventure uh, into the factory another try, that we were just imagining things. So again, we walked up the sidewalk towards the train track overpass, and again, the unnaturally moving young woman was there. She seemed to be near our age, and shaking her head in such a way that her long, blondish hair was gently swishing back and forth. And again, we let our own senses of intimidation get the better of us. We decided to call it a night. The group all headed back to the car. Within the safety of the vehicle, I thought of something and mentioned it, that it may have just been a homeless person. The factory was known to shelter a lot of squatters with nowhere else to go. 
Upon reflection, we agreed this was a case and that we must have looked like we were making fun of her or even scared her. So we resolved to pull up closer to the spot where she had been. It was near the road and apologized. We got as close as we could in the car. No one really wanted to get out. So again, my best friend and I said that we'd make the apology. We got out of the car, went directly up to the train tracks this time. At first, there didn't seem to be anything there, but the closer we got, we saw a lumpy mound right next to the graveyard tracks. When we were close enough, we realized that there was a raggedy teddy bear sitting against an old railroad tire. A railroad tie. What was more, it was on top of a family memorial, similar to those you see on highways where people have died in car accidents. There was a faded picture, and it was containing a young woman with a long, blondish hair laid flat on its back with a series of dates written on the bottom. It would seem that the girl had been struck and killed on the tracks a decade before at that this was her family and friends had put there as a marker of her tragic passing. Needless to say, my friend and I were incredibly unnerved, ran back to the still-running car where our friends were, and were all and, and were well away from the place we told them about the memorial. It's certainly possible that we all might have just wanted to be freaked out that night, so we saw what we wanted to see. But I remember looking out the back window of the car as we sped away and feeling that even though we'd seen something really tangible with the bear and portrait, everyone still insisted that there had been a person there, not just a uh, amorphous lump, which would have been the picture and stuffed animal. Maybe she was warning us to stay away from the tracks or what might have been a dangerous trip into a derelict building. Or maybe it was a real person, despite the weird movements. Who knows? I have many more stories, and given the time, I should write them in. Anyways, love the show. Thanks for reading. Keep up the good work, TJ. TJ, thank you for writing in. We'd love to hear more of your stories. That's the kind of ghost I want to be. I want to be one that's, like, warning people, like, don't do that. You're going to end up like me. <laughs> you plan on going in some tragic accident on a railroad track? No, I just mean if I'm going to be a ghost, I want to be a helpful ghost that warns people so they don't die tragically. But you have to die tragically to be that ghost. Okay, I don't want to die tragically. I just want to be a, like a mom ghost. Like, don't do that. Do not do that. Don't make me turn this car around. So we're like a, a nagging ghost. Okay, yeah. Is that... Okay. Sometimes maybe like a, a ghost voice of reason. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that there's that. That's kind of like an angel type thing where you're helping people out. You're saving them. You're, yeah. You know, you're not going to be like telling them not to do something that will not not harm them. Where it's like, oh, just don't go down that road because... Yeah, it's not that much fun, you know? No. Oh, there's a better I, restaurant over there. Do you really want to go there? I just want to yeah. help them not end up Dead. dying before their time. Okay, well, that's good. That's all I mean. Not that I'm going to go do something stupid so I can be a tragedy ghost that helps people. <laughs> that's ri- ridiculous. Well, I'm not saying that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying I think that's what you have to do to be the tragedy ghost. You have to die in a tragedy. Okay, I don't want to be the tragedy ghost. I just want to be the hopeful ghost that keeps people from dying in tragedies. It's the helpful ghost that keeps people from dying in tragedies. You could have a jingle. When you start singing, I know that we've spent too much time on the air. <laughs> It'd be fun, though. Okay. Are you going to have, like, an outfit or anything as the tragedy ghost? Like, is there a uniform for this? 
No, there's no uniform for the tragedy ghost. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we established that. <laughs> <laughs> and so goes another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Jenny's going to be a tragedy ghost someday where she helps people out. But she's not the one that's going to die in the tragedy. I'm just going to haunt her children. Okay. Can you, be the, you can be the tragedy ghost to our kids, though, and help them. Yeah. And I can screw with them. Okay. That, that can work. You do that. It sounds good. You be the helpful. I'll be the moving coffee mugs around the house. <laughs> there you go. If you're not an EPP yet and you like more of this, <laughs> <laughs> we'd love it if you would. Uh, please become one. You can uh, sign up through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. We send you a bonus episode every single week. It's 52 extra episodes a year. Five bucks a month is all we ask. And uh, you also get the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting this show and keeping it on the air. And you get the bonus episode, which is a nice little uh, extra there. All right. So until next time, uh, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. Real Ghost Stories Online.